I would ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 4, Matthew chapter number 4, and we're going to read the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter number 4. Uh, This is also a passage that is recorded by Luke in Luke chapter number 4, but Matthew chapter number 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Uh, to start, and uh, pretty much all of these verses are going to serve as our text for the message this morning. In Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit unto the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The title of the message this morning is Jesus' Answer to Temptation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We are thankful for the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, what better place to be on the first day of the week and the morning of the first day than to be in your house worshiping you, meeting with your people, fellowshipping with your people, desiring to be fed from you, in your word. Lord, we ask that today you'd help us to take this subject very seriously, our spiritual warfare, and in particular how we ought to deal with the temptations that we'll face in this life. And certainly, Lord, as we embark on a new year, help us to be ready. And Lord, what better way to be instructed on how to deal with the temptations that come our way than by looking at how our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ answered them. Lord, help us to hold our attention on you and your word. We pray that by your Holy Spirit you'd instruct us and give us enlightenment to understand your word and that you'd speak particularly to our hearts this morning. We thank you for what you've done and we look forward to what you'll yet do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus' answer to temptation. As we bark on our journey, embark on our journey, we might be barking, but we, we certainly can bark, but we need to embark. We embark on our journey into 2022. Uh, We will be tempted to sin. There is no doubt about that. We will be tempted in all of our ways to forsake God and to return to our previous life apart from faith in the Lord and having a purpose of honoring and glorifying Him. We know that that is going to be something that every child of God faces in 2022 every day as we do every day of every year. 
And so we need to be focused. And I would remind you of what our church motto is this year and what we preached on last week and studied. We need to remember that the eyes of the Lord are upon us. He sees what happens in our lives, where we go, what we do, what we think. Now, in our text, Jesus is doing battle with the wicked one, the devil, Satan. And in doing so, he provides us a blueprint for how we can win and gain victory over temptation in our lives. We see this blueprint in Jesus' answer to temptation. Now, temptations that the tempter confronts us with, and the temptations that the tempter confronted Jesus with, are standard temptations. What I mean by that is that all of the temptations that we face in this life in some form or fashion can be boiled down to these three temptations that the Lord faced. In other words, in these three temptations, there's more or less a template of the temptations that you and I will face. And the great thing about it is that there's not only a template as to the temptations that we'll be confronted with, but we have the answers that Jesus gives that will suffice in overcoming all three and thus all of the temptations that we will face here in this life and especially in 2022. So from Jesus' answer to temptation, I want us to note three lessons that we learn that will help us deal with temptation. Notice in verses 2 through 4, we are taught by the Lord to rest in God's provision. In verses 5 through 7, we see this second lesson. We must refuse to presume upon God's grace. And then the third lesson is covered in verses 8 through 10. We are to recognize the preeminence of God. And you say, well, these are very rudimentary and basic and elementary lessons. Well, yes, they are, and yet I need to be reminded of them, and I trust that you do as well as we look to answer temptation in our own lives and do battle with the wicked one in 2022. So let's notice here the first lesson we learned from Jesus' answer to temptation, covered in verses 2 through 4. And it is this, that we are to rest in God's provision. Now, there is no doubt, as we read in verse number 1, that the whole purpose for what is being written here by Matthew, as well as Luke in Luke's version, is to show us that though Jesus was the only begotten Son of God, He was very man here on this earth. And so, as we look at Jesus being very man... He did undergo temptations here on this earth. He was tempted in all points to sin like as we are, yet He was without sin. And so as we think about this temptation that the Lord enters into, this is a Spirit-led temptation. He's led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I want you to notice the lesson that we learn from this particular temptation. It is that we are to rest in God's provision. Now, Jesus meets this temptation head on, and He teaches us a most valuable lesson for living here on this earth. 
Now watch. Notice as we think about this lesson that the Lord teaches that we are to rest in God's provision. Notice first of all that the devil will look to take advantage of every opportunity to tempt us. He will look to take advantage of every opportunity to tempt us. Notice the timing of this temptation in verse number 2. In Matthew chapter 4, verse number 2, the Bible says, And when He, that's the Lord Jesus, had fasted forty days and forty nights, He was afterward a hunger. So, He fasts forty days and forty nights. I think sometimes we think that the temptation took place during the forty days and forty nights of fasting. Well, what we have recorded here is that He fasted forty days and forty nights, and afterwards He's hungry, and then the devil appears to him to tempt him. Notice the timing of the temptation. Jesus would appear to be physically weak. He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and so he needs nourishment at this point. And because he needs nourishment, the devil appears, and he focuses on this perceived weakness. And I say perceived weakness, because in Jesus there was no weakness, You and I are not that way. You and I have weakness. And so the devil attacks at just the right time. He is opportunistic. He will look to take advantage of every opportunity to tempt us to sin. Do you know that we learn this from this temptation? The devil will attack us when we are desperate. And do you know why the devil will attack us when we are desperate? Because when we are desperate, we are prone to poor decision making. You make poor decisions when you are desperate. You are not thinking clearly. And I say you, but I include myself in that group. We are not thinking clearly. I mean, think about the last time that you went one day without food. You know, we go one day without food and, uh, you know, man, somebody puts a cake before us. You know, and we're like a one-year-old at our first Christmas or our first birthday party. We got our face down in that thing, and it's all over. Man, we are just, you know, point being that when you haven't eaten in one day, are you really thinking about, well, you know, I can't eat this because this is not healthy for me. We are prone to making decisions based upon our desperation. And that's the way the devil tempts. The timing of the devil's uh, temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ is very instructive for us, we need to know that we need to be prepared that when we are, are are ourselves in a desperate situation, we must be ready to be tempted of the devil. Notice not only the timing of the devil's temptation, but the tactic that he used. In verse number three, the Bible reads, "And when the tempter came to him, now I want you to pay attention to what the devil is referred to uh, as, because." We're going to come back to that later on in the message. But notice he says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, This is the tempter, this is the devil saying, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Do you see the tactic that he uses? If. If thou be the Son of God. He is casting doubt on the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the devil always does as he tempts us. We looked uh, at a message recently where we 
uh, in fact, it was on Wednesday night in our study of Ephesians a couple weeks ago where we looked at the passage in Ephesians chapter number 4 that says that there's one Lord. And that word Lord is kurios, and it means supreme in authority. There's one Lord, and that one Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's Lord over all, and He is Lord in our lives. And yet, what does the devil do? He tempts us to make us think that we're the Lord, that we're supreme in authority, that we can do whatever we want because we've been saved by the grace of God. What is the devil doing here? He is challenging Jesus to prove His sonship by providing for Himself. He is tempting Jesus to forget about God and what God's purpose and plan is and for Jesus to just go ahead and provide for Himself. Spurgeon, I'm going to give you a couple quotes from Spurgeon today because I just think they're so appropriate. Spurgeon said this, the evil one would have the only begotten son uh, cease to depend on God and take matters into his own hands. Temptations to unbelieving self-help are common enough, but very dangerous. Do you see what he's doing? Do you see the tactic that he's getting to ultimately? Ultimately, he is tempting Jesus to not rely on God and God's provision, but to do it himself. Is this not a common temptation that we face? It's a common temptation that we face in every aspect of our life here. To just forget about God and forget about God's Word and to do it ourselves. And beloved, the applications are, are plentiful. In fact, Darlene and I were talking recently about uh, disciplining your children. And the fact that some today seem to have forgotten what the Bible says about Bible discipline. And you know what? We didn't forget that when we were parents. We weren't perfect, and I'm sure that perhaps our children might hold that against us, but I don't apologize for that. I wanted to honor God and raise our children the way that God told us to, and you know, part of that was not sparing the rod. And so we could say, well, you know, I'm going to do it a different way. And when you do anything a different way and you self-help and you forget about God and what God says, you are falling prey to the temptation of the devil. This is exactly what he did with the Lord Jesus Christ. The devil will look to take advantage of opportunities. Notice notice that Jesus, secondly here, as we're talking about this first lesson that we see in Jesus' answer to temptation, it is to rest in God's provision. The devil will look to take advantage of opportunities, but notice, secondly, Jesus would in no way yield in obedience to the devil. Jesus refused to yield in obedience to the devil. Look at verse number 4. But he answered and said, It is written that man, uh, excuse me, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now you notice, first of all, as we talk about Jesus in no way yielding in obedience to the devil, notice, first of all, that Jesus. Jesus teaches emphatically that he would resist the devil. The devil says to Jesus, as Jesus is hungry, he's fasted 40 days and 40 nights. You and I would be starving to death if we fasted 40 days and 40 nights. In fact, I would, I would venture to say, and I could be wrong, but I would venture to say that there's nobody in this room that has fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, I have fasted, and I, I don't say this to any glorious purpose or anything other than and, and I'm not saying spiritually uh, there have been other reasons I have fasted I've fasted for as long as a week you know a, as long as a week and I'm going to tell you what 
after I made my weight in the Air Force and I fasted a week, uh, yeah, man, put that cake before me. I'm going to eat whatever's before me, right? Um, Jesus was hungry. And the devil tempts him and says, well, man, you're the Son of God, aren't you? I mean, if you're the Son of God, why don't you just make these stones a biscuit and you can eat this biscuit and you'll satisfy your hunger. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. Our problem is oftentimes we don't think and we take the bait. Jesus did not take the bait. He would resist the devil. What Jesus is doing here, and I know that we're well acquainted with this. I've preached on these verses before. Although not this particular message and this particular aspect of these verses. But I know that we know that when Jesus was confronted with the enemy, He always quoted Scripture. And He says here in verse number 4, It is written. Now where is that written that Jesus answers back to the devil? Well, it's written in Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 3. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3, the Bible reads, And He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And what is the Lord saying in Deuteronomy chapter number 8? And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, and the Lord was saying, that you know what? Don't worry about the manna. Don't be discontented with the manna. Don't be discontented with the provision that I provide. But rest in God's provision because God is in control. And so Jesus here... He would not in any way yield in obedience to the devil. You know what you and I often do? We forget what James wrote about our spiritual warfare with the devil. Now those of you that know your Bible know automatically where I'm going with this. In James chapter 4 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We are to resist the devil. We are not to in any way yield in obedience to the devil. This is the lesson that we get from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, oftentimes, we don't understand the way the enemy is tempting us. And therefore, we are unable to resist because we don't even see the temptation coming. We are fat, dumb, and happy, if I could use metaphors, right? I'm not saying literally. But we don't understand the way the enemy tempts. We say, well, man, if the devil came to me and said, well, if you're a Christian, do this. Well, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm going to prove to the devil I'm a Christian, and I'm going to do this. And we have fallen into the temptation of the enemy. Jesus would in no way be obedient to the devil. Jameson Fawcett Brown, in commenting on the meaning of the word submit, in James chapter 4, verse number 7, uh, those three individuals wrote this in their commentary. The language is taken from warfare. Submit as a good soldier puts himself in complete subjection to his captain. And you and I must submit to God and refuse to be obedient to the devil. We are to be obedient to, the God, to God Almighty. Now, as Jesus teaches us this lesson in His answer to temptation, He would not resist or He would not in any way yield in obedience to the devil, but he resisted the devil, we also see that what he did, would do was to rely on God to provide. Jesus says, I'm not going to be obedient to you, Satan. Satan, you, you do not tell me what to do. 
I'm not, I don't have a responsibility to be obedient to you. I'm to be an obedience to my Heavenly Father. And you know what? As I am in obedience to my Heavenly Father, my Heavenly Father will provide all that I need. That is what Jesus is saying. That's what he's saying in verse number 4. We are to pray to the Lord, are we not, for our provision. In fact, in the Lord's model prayer, what did he say? He said, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. But you know what? Life is more than just our daily provision. Luke recorded what what Matthew recorded in Matthew chapter number 6. Do you remember Matthew chapter number 6 where we're told that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these other things will be provided to us. Luke said it this way in his account in Luke chapter 12 verse 24 where he said, The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Is he not echoing what the Lord said back to Satan in his or in his temptation uh, against the Lord Jesus Christ? The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. In other words, any time that you think that you have to deviate from God's word for your provision here on this earth, you've missed the mark. God is in control. The life is more than meat. The body is more than raiment. God will provide for His own. He takes care of the lilies. He takes care of the sparrows. He takes care of the fowl of the air. God will provide. And so often we find that we have sinned against God and we have fallen prey to the temptation of the enemy when we fail to rest in God's provision. It's a very elementary aspect of spiritual warfare. Would it have been such a hard thing for Jesus to say, you know what, I'm going to put him in his place. I will make not only this stone a biscuit, I will make this whole field of stones biscuits. Could the Lord have done that? The Lord took a few fish, a few fragments, and fed 5,000, and fed 4,000, took a few, few loaves and fed and multiplied them. Of course he could do it. But he shouldn't. And that's the lesson. We rest in God's provision. Can I ask you to just take a moment right now and think about your own life. In what way are you not resting in God's provision? In what way are you self-helping that is hindering you in your spiritual walk? Because if you are self-helping and it is hindering you in your spiritual walk, it's not God's will. It's not in accordance with God's word. It isn't. And so, notice the first lesson here. We find that Jesus teaches us in His answer to temptation to rest in God's provision. Then notice the second lesson. We find this in verses 5-7. through Jesus teaches that we are to refuse to presume upon God's grace. God is a God of grace, is He not? God is gracious to us. Here we see the devil tempting the Lord to improperly, now think about this, teaching the Lord to improperly rely on God to provide. Did did you catch that? Do you have your thinking caps on this morning? I just got through saying in lesson number one that we're to rest in God's provision. But But in lesson number two that we learned from the Lord, we are taught that we are to refuse to presume upon God's grace. In other words, there is a sense in which we can improperly rely on God to provide. And I'm 
I'm going to talk more and explain more about what I mean by that in just a moment. Now notice, first of all, as we think about this lesson that the Lord teaches that we're to refuse to presume upon God's grace, notice, first of all, the devil's twisting of God's Word. This is a tactic that the devil used all the way back in the garden where he cast doubt upon God's Word. Here, he twists God's Word in the temptation. Look at verse number 5, as well as verse number 6. Then the devil taketh him, Jesus, up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, Now watch, if thou be the Son of God, cast, thy down, cast thyself down, for it is written. Now, now, why is the devil doing that? Well, you ought to know that the devil is not stupid. I think sometimes we, you know, we, he's bold and audacious and ungodly and wicked, but he's not stupid. Now, what did Jesus respond when the devil tempted him the first time? Jesus said, it is written. Now, you know what the devil has to do? The devil has to adjust and say, okay, well now, I know he's going to use the Word of God in answering me, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use the Word of God first. And so he says, For it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Now what's wrong with this? What's, what's wrong with the devil and his quotation of the Word of God? Does anybody remember? You probably don't. I'm putting you on the spot this morning. What he is actually quoting is Psalms 91, verses 11 and 12. Now let's turn to Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12 this morning. And, and let me point out to you what he's doing here. In Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12, notice, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Verse 12, They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Does anybody see what the devil left out? He left something out. He left something very important out. See, the devil quoted the first part of Psalm 91, verse 11, but he didn't quote the last part. Psalm 91, verse 11 reads, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. What the devil said in verse number 6 of Matthew 4 was that he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. He left out that very important last portion of verse number 11. And I'm going to explain to you why that's important here in just a few moments. Man, listen, you know why sometimes we fall into the temptation of the devil? Because we don't know the Word of God. Somebody will say, we'll, we'll be driving in our car and we'll say, okay, I'm doing the right thing, I'm listening to something spiritual on the radio. And some guy on the radio will mention a verse and he will twist that verse or, or, or not even use the Word of God and, and we'll fall prey to that and we'll say, well, man, he's right. I've had it wrong all these years. And we don't know the Word of God and so we are led astray by the misuse and misstatement of the Word of God. The enemy left out that last portion to keep thee in all thy way. I love what Spurgeon wrote on this, and man, listen, I told you I give you, I usually don't quote uh, somebody more than twice or more than once in a message, but I thought it was important this morning. Pay attention to what he says here. Listen to this. It was not in the nature of the false fiend 
to quote correctly, I love Spurgeon's drama. You know, the fa- he's the, he is the false fiend. It was not in the nature of the false fiend to quote correctly. He left out the necessary words in all thy ways. Thus he made the promise say what in truth it never suggested. And then boldly prescribed a course which the law of God would condemn. We are to be kept in our ways, but not in our follies. That's important. We're to be kept in our ways, but not in our follies. Now get this. By the way, this is what I'm going to read to you here is free. Uh, this, this is actually probably not even something I should be focusing on today, but I, I got my dander up, so I'm going to. Okay, listen to this. The omission of a word may spoil the meaning of a scripture. Verbal inspiration. Verbal inspiration. Not dynamic inspiration, which is thought for thought. Verbal inspiration, which is word for word. Verbal inspiration makes accurate quotation to be a duty as the omission of a word or two entirely alters the sense. We have preachers going around today who are strutting their own knowledge and ability to tell you and I what is and isn't the Word of God. And they will say, oh, well, I'm partial to the, the, the NASV and the NI, you know, whatever version. And they're partial to those. And what those, those uh, perversions of the Word of God do is that they leave out things and they are not verbal inspiration translations of the Scripture. They are dynamic inspiration, which is thought for thought. Well, you know, God meant to say this, and so I'll translate it however I want. We don't have that authority. It is not my role as a preacher to cast doubt on the Word of God in your mind. That's what the enemy did. And he misquoted the Word of God. Be careful to know God's Word, and be careful not to twist God's Word by subtraction. We think that we're doing well sometimes because we leave a Word of God out. Do not alter God's Word. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse number 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the Word which I command you, but get this, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. The enemy twisted the Word of God. He cast doubt on the Word of God back in the garden. Yea, hath God said. And here he is. What a, what a knucklehead. He thinks that he can, he can trip up the very Son of God by saying it is written. Well, you know, this guy quotes the Bible. So he must be legitimate. This saint of God says that they know the Bible. They say they're a saint of God. And they quote the Scripture. Now, they don't live the Scripture. But they quote it. And they quote it incorrectly. And they leave out the portions we talked about last this last week, didn't we? They leave out the portions that they don't really want to live by. You know, we're commanded to keep all the words of God. So notice here the devil's twisting of God's word. But notice Jesus' teaching by way of warning. He is teaching by way of warning. And he is teaching this. And get this this morning. Man, listen. Put this in your mind deposit it there feast on this here's the warning just because God can doesn't mean he will 
just because God can doesn't mean he will. Now what the devil is doing in twisting the word of God is he is trying to get Jesus Christ to do something that would be entirely against God's will. And that is to presume upon God's good grace. That is to embark on an action presuming upon God's good grace. In other words, let me put it this way. Do you believe that if you walked out in the middle of the traffic here on Route 50 in, in, at the busiest hour of the day, do you believe that God could keep you from being hit from a vehicle? Do you believe that God could? Of course God could. He's God. Now, how many of you would say that because God can do that, I'm going to put a blindfold on my eyes and I'm going to embark on my own game of human frogger and I'm going to go out on Interstate 64 in the morning rush hour and I'm going to walk across Interstate 64 because you know what I'm doing in that? I am showing complete and utter faith in God. I am yielding myself to God that God will take care of me. God has promised to, to deliver me from the from the uh, enemy and from, from, from any harm here on this earth. And so I'm going to trust in God and I'm going to have complete faith in God that He's going to keep me from being hit by a semi or a vehicle or, or any other type of automobile that would be driving on Interstate 64. How many of you would do that? You wouldn't do that, would you? Because you know that that would be presuming upon God's good grace. You know that that is a perversion of complete reliance upon God. I told you just to, when we started looking at this point that what the devil here is doing is he's, he is tempting to improperly rely on God to provide. That is an improper reliance upon God to provide. God didn't tell you to go out and make your way across Interstate 64 with a blindfold on and trust in Him to provide any more than He told Jesus, man, listen, you're my son, you're my only begotten, and if you go up to the top of the temple and the devil challenges you and you just jump off I'll take care of you and I'll provide for you God didn't say that to him it would be presuming upon God's good grace you know what Jesus is giving us a warning by way of teaching he is saying that just because God can doesn't mean he will there are many today that have refused to learn this lesson God is not to be tempted God is not to be tempted Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 16 the Lord here, how does the Lord respond to, to, to the devil in, in uh, Matthew chapter number 4 and verse number 7? Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Now the devil's misquoting and misuse of scripture did not deter the Lord from going back to scripture. And he says in verse number 7, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy 6 verse 16 Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, that says, Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted Him in Massa. And that's where they didn't have any water, and they began to murmur against God. And what they did at Massa in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse 16, what Moses and God are referring to, is that they were requiring a miracle of God. They were requiring a miracle of God. And you know what? God, God we, are, we do not direct God. If God wants to perform a miracle, He could perform a miracle. But He doesn't perform a miracle because, you know, I get my sweaty handkerchief out and drape it over some dead body, and then all of a sudden God's going to rise that body, raise that body from the dead. God is not directed by me. God is not directed by you. Because we say God must do this does not mean that God must do this. 
do not make the mistake of thinking that because God can, He will. I remember years ago, and I don't mention any names, I remember an assistant pastor from a church who was not on salary, and he decided that he was going to quit a very large family. Very large family. He decided he's going to quit his job and rely on God to provide for him. And all that meant was that the people of God felt bad, and so then they had to sacrifice more and more to meet his needs. Listen. God said that if any won't work, neither should he eat. Now, I don't mean to be harsh this morning, but that is presuming upon the grace of God. Well, God can provide. Well, yeah, God can provide. You know how? By giving you a job. By giving you a job. And so do not presume upon the good graces of God. Do not tempt God. Man, you see these people, and sometimes I'll watch them on television, and sometimes I won't, you know, where they are just tempting death. They are tempting God. And they involve, in the most, they involve themselves in the most extreme activities. I remember years ago, uh, one of the, it might have been one of the Walenda descendants, I don't know, but he's going to walk on a tight, tight wire, whatever you call it, high wire, across the Grand Canyon. And I remember watching that, and I, I have a fear of heights, okay? And I remember watching that, man, and I'm just watching, and I'm sweating. And I'm like, I can't watch. I have to turn away. This guy is nuts, right? They tempt God. And sometimes we as believers, we tempt God. We say, well, God can do this. But what's the key? The key is found in Psalm 91 and verse number 1, where the Bible reads, For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. If we are trusting in God and keeping his ways, then God will, will reward by providing. We have no... We have no claim upon the grace of God when we determine to go our own way and then we say, well, I don't understand why we don't have enough money. I don't understand why we can't have problems. Well, are you keeping God's ways? He has, no, he has no, no, no promise to provide for us if we forsake Him and His ways. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. And so the second lesson that we learn is that we are to refuse to presume upon God's grace. And then notice the last one, and we'll quickly go through this. Covers verses 8 through 10. We must recognize the preeminence of God. Now this has been the motivation of the devil from the time of his fall to steal the glory of God and be worshipped as God. We won't take the time to look at these verses this morning, but I would encourage you in your own time to go back to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15 and read about how that Lucifer's intent was to be worshipped as God. In fact, during the, uh, during the end times, the Antichrist is going to set himself up on the throne of God in, in Jerusalem and he's going to proclaim that he is God and people are going to worship him as God. That's always been the devil's desire. But notice here, First of all, the devil offers that which he cannot deliver. So we, we have to recognize the preeminence of God and note that the devil offers that which he cannot deliver. Look at verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil taketh them up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. You know how the devil tempts us? He tempts us and allures us 
with the promise of that which he cannot possibly bestow. Oh, just do this and you'll have that. How many marriages have been, and I think it's you know obviously particular telling since Darlene and I celebrated our 39th wedding anniversary yesterday. Uh, what a blessed time. Love her, love her to the moon and back. I can't really say I love her to death anymore because in my job that's probably not a, a good thing. But I, I love her, love her to the moon and back. I mean, the greatest thing, you know, flesh-wise that ever happened to me in my life. And, and as I think about that, I think about how many marriages that have been destroyed. Because, well, you know, she doesn't look as good as she once did. Or he doesn't look as good as he once did. You know, and this, this person over here, they're showing me attention. And I'll just go over there and things are going to be great. And things are never great. The devil can't deliver on that promise. And so the devil offers that which he cannot deliver. He appeals to fleshly desires for self-aggrandizement. He appeals to fleshly desires. He says, I will offer you this glory. Man, listen. How many lives have been ruined for the search and seeking of glory? And notice that absent the, he has absent the ability to give that which he did not own. He did not own all of these kingdoms that he said he would give to Christ. He, is, he has been seated and allotted a certain portion of authority here on this earth, but these kingdoms were Christ's. Christ is the King of kings. He's the coming King. He's the King that was born. We looked at a message a few weeks ago uh, detailing the birth of Christ and the star of the King. That, that reference to Jesus Christ, who, who He is. He's not just a baby in a manger. He is the King of kings. And so we need to recognize the preeminence of God. The devil offers that which he cannot deliver. Listen, if you're on the devil's side this morning and you're choosing that which the devil offers up, you're on the losing side. He, he does not have the sovereignty or the authority that the Lord Jesus Christ does. It's a lie. Oh, I, I, wanna, I don't want to go to heaven because that's a boring place. I want to be down there in hell, you know, and we're going to have a beer party and all that. How idiotic and stupid can you be? Read the Bible. The devil offers that which he cannot deliver. But notice, Jesus offers a formula that will succeed in every instance of battle. He offers a formula that will succeed in every instance of battle. Now notice, first of all, I say a formula because here the Lord's response is a little bit more in-depth. Notice, first of all, in verse number in verse number uh, 10, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. Man, I love that. You know what he does is he puts the devil in his place. He is indignant towards the enemy. He is indignant. He says, get thee hence, Satan. In Luke's account, in Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 8, the Bible reads, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. And he had said that before as it related to Peter. And you know, sometimes uh, we fall into the hands of the enemy and, and, and we need to learn the formula that the Lord gives here that we need to resist and we need to just respond back with indignation get thee hence leave me alone I belong to the Lord I'm not yielding to you talk to my defender and protector I belong to Christ he is indignant towards the enemy and notice he identifies who the enemy truly is do you notice anything about the Lord's response in verse number 10 he says get thee hence Satan Satan. 
Do you realize that in chapter number 4 here in these first 12 verses, first 11 verses, this is now the third title or the third name that is affixed to Lucifer. Lucifer was his angelic name. Notice he is called, first of all, Satan here in Jesus' response. Get thee hence Satan. The word Satan is accuser or adversary. Jesus is identifying him as our accuser and adversary. But previously, in multiple verses, he was referred to as what? The devil. The devil. The devil, the word devil means traducer, false accuser, and slanderer. And it is no doubt that his children do the same, do they not? He's a traducer, a false accuser, and slanderer. But notice in verse number 3, and I mentioned this when we read verse 3, notice in verse number 3 he's called what? The tempter. He's called the tempter. He's Satan. The accuser and adversary of the brethren. He's the devil. He's a false accuser and slanderer of the brethren. And he's the tempterer, which means that he is going to test and scrutinize the children of God Make no mistake about it. If we are truly saved, we are going to be involved in spiritual warfare and we are going to be tested and scrutinized and tempted by the enemy. It's it's specific for a reason that Jesus calls him Satan in verse number 10. And then notice here, he places Jesus places the emphasis on God's preeminence in verse 10. He says, For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and Him only shalt thou serve. Here the Lord is quoting Deuteronomy 6 verse 13. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Listen, why are we put here on this earth? It is for worship of God. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse number 13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. What is it to, uh, uh, to fear God? It is not to quake in our boots that God's going to zap us. It is to have awe and reverence and respect for His majesty and for who He is. He's my heavenly Father. And man, you know, my dad's been gone since 2010. And I still have a a reverence and a respect for Him. And the reverence and respect that we should have for our heavenly Father. Results in what? Worship. Worship. He is preeminent. Could I ask you this morning, in closing, is God preeminent in your life? Every decision that you make, is it based upon God's desire and God's word and will? All that you think, is it geared geared towards bringing every thought into captivity and subjection to Christ? Is God preeminent? Because the Lord here is teaching us this lesson as we deal with temptations of the enemy. He's always, the enemy is always going to try to dethrone God in our lives. And we must recognize the preeminence of God in every area of our lives. Well, 2022, I trust is going to be a great year for us. There are three lessons that we learn in dealing with Temptation as we enter into 2022. We learn them from Jesus' answer to temptation. First of all, rest in God's provision. Secondly, refuse to presume upon God's good grace. And thirdly, recognize the preeminence of God. If we remember Jesus and how He dealt with temptation, we can't help 
but have victory in spiritual warfare. Let's pray.